0: As a whole, my coaching style is that people discover the next level of their leadership. Do you want to be a a leader in this organization? What does that look like to you? What what are you currently doing? And what do you see for the future? And what I consider where I spend most of my time with my clients is in that gap. And then we create a working strategy on how they're going to get the experiences they need and who they need to talk to, because I think every person, whether you're the janitor, or the CEO has to be responsible for the ecosystem of all the people that are influencing your job.
1: Welcome to the manage self lead others leadership podcast with Nina Sunday for experienced and aspiring people managers. This show will help you explore ways to become a more intentional leader Each episode, host Nina Sunday speaks with some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share a passion to elevate and transform team culture. Workplace culture hides in plain sight. Is yours flourishing? Join the movement to make your workplace a better place to work. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others.
2: Linnell Green's success as a strategic management consultant and executive coach is rooted in her 40 years of experience encompassing accounting, corporate management and teaching leadership programs. Linnell draws upon her accounting expertise to grasp complex business strategies. And while her background in corporate management provides her with insights into organisational dynamics and decision-making. Linnell Green's upcoming book is Visionary Discipline, Watch out for it in a few months' time. Welcome, Linnell Green.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you, Nina. It's my privilege to be with you today.
2: You talk about it takes discipline to connect with your authentic self and to get in touch with what you really care about. Is that is that a, a starting point for our conversation? Or...
0: It's a great starting point. Yeah, it's, it's a great starting that. point.
2: Because you, you coach yeah. people and you have to help them see what they can't see. Is
0: that right? Absolutely, absolutely. That's my desire, anyway. Right? That's what my my goal is. Well, one of the I think what had me connect that initially is that it's, you know I I coach emerging leaders and you know senior leaders, C-suite leaders, and founders, and I find the ones that were having the toughest time were the ones that were trying to emulate somebody else. Really? They were trying to figure out how to be. How can I be? You know, whoever it is, Zuckerberg. Or whoever else that they have on their mind. And they're trying to, you know, they read everything they write and they watch all of the things that they've, um, you know, all the podcasts and, artic- and and articles, read everything about, and then they start trying to emulate. And that is where the pitfall is, I find. Because if you don't discover your own authentic self-expression as a leader, you're going to be ineffective because that thing that you're building, the foundation on the, whoever it is you're emulating, it's going to break down at some point. It's not, it's not sustainable in my view.
2: So therefore, have you got a, 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 a key question that you ask them that will uh, get them to go inside themselves to find out their authentic self? Sure. Well, many
0: times they start with, they're being ineffective at X. Maybe their team is not productive. Or they're not having, they don't have a good relationship with their manager, or there's a breakdown with their, with themselves and their peers, something in their ecosystem. And primarily we're talking about corporate for the most part, something broke down is typically the red flag. So when they come and say, look, I had a breakdown with this manager, she did this, I did that, she did this, and now we're not speaking. And therefore our teams can't work together, et cetera. So then I'll ask, okay, well, what, what happened? They did X, Y, Z. Okay, but what did you do? Well, I did the, And then why did you do that? Well, I saw so and So eventually we get to the, the Y and the next Y and the next Y will get us to, well, I saw Cheryl Sandberg. She said in her book, Lean In, that I should do X, Y, Z whenever this happens. I'm like, what? So that is where we, we can eventually get to ground zero, where they made some management style decisions mirroring somebody else's style. Right. And, and then know, we
2: can. That's probably one of the benefits of listening to multiple episodes of any podcast. That's right. you're, there are so many different ways to lead and so that's many right. different approaches. And sometimes I'm talking to people who are leaders and now, I mean, you have been a leader, but now you've in your wise elder wisdom now are helping people as a coach to really get out of their own way and That's right. break apart or get rid of limiting self-beliefs.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that discovering where you're not being authentic and where you are limiting yourself is the beginning of that.
2: So how do you help people see their own self-limiting belief? It's like a blind spot, isn't it? It really is. Normally, there's a breakdown. Like, I
0: may see it before you do like we could be going along marching along every creating strategy and you're having wins here and there things are getting accomplished you're hitting your goals and i can see that there's this thing that keeps popping up and it doesn't what i found it doesn't do any good if i just tell you you know if you keep doing that you're yeah. going to hit a wall you have to discover it so what i find is if i can ask questions okay i love the fact that you did that that way and you got a win Let's talk about is that particular method of leading, is that sustainable? Let's look two, three, four years down the road. Is that going to keep working? So they have to discover, whoever the day is, that the particular way that they're operating may be unique to this man- manager, but it's not transferable to if they God forbid they get they get another job or work for another company, then what they're doing doesn't work.
2: Because they could they be accommodating and giving away a little bit of their power in order to smooth over the waters. And if they do that continuously, they're going to end up in a dead end.
0: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) No, but that's, that is perfect. Nina. That's exactly what, well, many people think that's their job in terms of working with their manager, working with their team. They think they're supposed to compromise, defer, you know, get out of the way um, and only shine when in their lane and, and not, like, step on anybody's toes. Like, they have all these inherent roles um, that they have assigned to themselves. But you and I both know you have to actually shine brighter to be seen, not get behind somebody else's bush and
2: and hide behind their brightness. It doesn't work that way. You know, it seems to me that what you've just described, the, the behavior to avoid, is settling. It's like saying, Absolutely. oh, well, I'll put up with this. Mm-hmm right and so we have to then find a way to shine that doesn't create obstacles or if you do what happens if you there are obstacles what what's your approach to that not to avoid them right yeah <laughs> you know it's just you know <laughs> What's classic avoiding behavior to obstacles?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, what, it, what what I find a lot of people find is that, you know, you'll hear them say, well, I don't want to have that conversation. It's going to be hard. Or tell me how I can have that hard conversation. Well, we have to first start with the context. We know that context is decisive. If you say it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard because you're going to fulfill on that context. So let's say it's not going to be hard. First, we start there. You've just let it, let's get it out of that framework. And let's look at what your commitment is. If your commitment is to have a better relationship with your manager and their micromanaging is actually impacting, or at least you think it is, impacting the way that you show up for yourself and your team, how do you tell your manager that they can stop you want them to stop micromanaging you? Well, you what we what I typically coach them is like let's put you in your manager's seat. Why is your manager micromanaging you in the first place? Now, if they're doing it to everybody, it's their style. Okay, that's one conversation. They're only doing it to you or you feel that they are. Then you have to be honest. You dropped the ball five times. Last five deadlines you missed. So now your manager, okay, so you feel like, yeah, but I fixed that. Yeah, but now your manager doesn't trust. You can't be trusted. So you're earning that trust back. And your manager doesn't want egg in their face. So they're going to micromanage you every inch of the way to make sure what happened before didn't happen. So part of it is having people be honest with their responsibility in whatever the current state of things are. Whether it's It's so that there's no victims.
2: So number one, you have the ability to see patterns and that's what a good coach does. And number two, it's people to actually then accept that they have a pattern and to be willing to, change it and what I'm also hearing is perhaps you coach them to to start with that big picture positive statement which is look I really want to have a good relationship with you Mm -hmm. now I'm about to say the word but do you tell them not (laughs) to say but (laughs) and 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 what i'm finding how what would you say give me what if i'm someone who's rehearsing what i'm going to say to my manager because they're micromanaging me um we've just said i want to have a good relationship with you and i want to be productive and uh well what's a vision of the future and be uh be praised for great work right mm-hmm. <laughs> and i find that being constantly asked how am I going with this? I'm feeling like I'm being watched or what, what would you say? What would, what would people say? I'm feeling under the microscope or? (laughs) And they most likely are feeling all of those things, Nina. (laughs) And I'm wondering if there's a version of me working here (laughs) where I could proactively give you updates without you having to ask, ask for them. Is that I just made that up on the spot. Is this <laughs> <laughs> No, I love that. I think the only tweak I would have, Nina, is
0: to be specific. So if there's a specific project you're working on, we have a launch date, October 15th, that I would come to the manager and say, okay, let's, can we talk about this launch date of October 15th? I believe I'm on track. I have created a document where you can see my progress, but I notice you still check with me in the morning and in the evening. Is there something that I've done or not haven't done to give you confidence that I'm on track?
2: Oh, wow. I've just learned a really good lesson, Linnell. Thank you so much. <laughs> See, you know, I, I really think that sometimes people don't have the conversation because they're actually not clear on what to say. That's right. And not that we want to learn a script because it can't stout sound scripted. But would you recommend that people practice different versions of what they plan to say so that absolutely they do come to the point to the moment it comes out natural but see, so you actually had um you were specific you also talked about why you thought there might be a problem I mean I, I didn't even think to mention that I'm you know I'm wondering if you don't have confidence in me because maybe I didn't fulfill it in the past but I want you to know, oh, but and I want <laughs> you to know. See, where there's one of the episodes is about saying yes and instead of yes, yeah. but I'm learning, <laughs> it, learning to say yes and. And I do want you to be proud of proud of my output. Mm-hmm. So, is it good to give them some, you know, emotionally intelligent comments? You know, like emotional responses. It's not about I want you to approve my results. It's like. I want you to feel proud that I'm on your team. Is yeah. That, is that Well, it depends on the, who you're talking to, doesn't it? Right. But that practice
0: is critical, mainly because of the way our brain works. Many times our subconscious has it be a lot scarier. There's a monster in the other room, you know, that than it actually is. I'll give you a quick example. There's, there's an engineer that I coached that's responsible for an engineering team. Mm. And she was getting feedback that she was letting the team you know, kind of wallow in some problems that she should just call the ball. And so we did some work on that. Like, why aren't you calling the ball? Why are you sitting back and letting things go on and on and around the bush when you know this is the answer? She said, well, I don't want to seem rude and I don't want to seem like I'm not, I'm disrespecting all these opinions. I said, so let's practice. So one of the things we, I said, you want to have two or three lines that you can say that you are comfortable with. And one of them was, I appreciate everybody's perspectives here, but I'm going to take advantage of the fact that we do have a deadline. And I think that from all everything that's been said, we all agree that this is the best action based on what we know right now. So she could show that she was decisive and still empathetic and that she heard everybody. And then other times I said, you know, she doesn't want to interrupt anyone because some of these people go on and on about things that I said, you know, you want to give yourself permission to say, hey, you know what, Bob, that's a great point. Can I interject here with an intention to end Bob's pontificating, right, <laughs> and get the meeting back on track. So we actually did that with four or five of the problems that kept showing up for her consistently that we we put what I look what I call it is that we all have a toolkit and there may be things that we reach in that toolkit and we don't know what to do. So then the next time it happens you want to be responsible for putting something in your toolkit so when those recurring issues show up you have some weapons there to use for yourself and not weapons like against somebody, um, but tools.
2: Linnell, that's very wise words that you've given that person and uh, that you're you're obviously a gift (laughs) to give to anyone that works with you. At Meta,
0: I coach a lot of people at at that organization, but I do think as a whole, my coaching style is that people discover the next level of their leadership. So I don't lay down breadcrumbs. I don't do the 10 steps, the six steps, the what I don't do any of that. It's like, okay, do you want to be a, a leader in this organization? What does that look like to you? What does what are you currently doing? And what do you see for the future? And what I consider where I spend most of my time with my clients is in that gap, the gap between yeah. where they are and where they see themselves. Yeah. And then we create a working strategy on how they're going to get the experiences they need. And who they need to talk to, because I think every person, whether you're the janitor or the CEO, has to be responsible for the ecosystem of all the people that are influencing your job. That means you need to have relationships with your peers, with with your with your manager, and then your skip, your manager's manager, and all of those levels, and then people. I feel like everybody should be mentoring somebody because there's some, because I mentor people as well. There are people that I coach that pay me, and there's people that I mentor that don't. And I think that both of those relationships, um, we should all have somebody, we
2: should all have a mentor. And I, I believe we should all have a coach. So people listening to this, if you haven't already got a coach and if you're not already a mentor, there's two things to put on your to-do list. <laughs> well, I find that you get more than you give in both of those relationships. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And because I've uh, I've volunteered as a uh, chapter president uh, for my, for Professional Speakers Australia, and oh, okay, I, it it gave me a chance to express a different version of my own leadership. Look, in your past, you've actually studied strategy at Harvard. Are there mm-hmm. any secrets you can share with us from the the Harvard Business School teachers?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's a great question, and I tell people that that that's my strategy commitment is usually running underneath whatever I'm talking about, right. because I do believe even if you're doing well as a leader. There's a strategy. You you determine your personal leadership style. You have values that you're honoring. You have a work ethic. You have integrity. You have work-life balance. There's things that you've created as a strategy in terms of how you work and how you lead. So one of the ways that I can be of service is to help people distinguish what that strategy is. And if they're being ineffective, many times it's because there's something missing. Like they're like, oh, I, I'm working 90 hours a week. Well. And your husband's complaining, of course he is. Your children don't recognize you, of course they don't. So there's something in your paradigm and in your strategy for how you work that's actually sabotaging other areas of your life. So then we have to look at what, how do we put in boundaries as part of your strategy? So the strategy that I, I, first of all, helping people identify what strategy they're operating inside of is the first thing. And then are they, do they want to disrupt that strategy? Because that strategy may not be working, or it may be work may not. It may have worked up to this point when you had only four or five people on your team, but now you have twenty five people, or you're a hundred people, and you have a a global team and a multi million dollar budget. So all of your little strategies that you had before are now breaking down, and you're like, yeah, but I was so effective. Yeah, but it's a new game now.
2: Yeah, you're, you're carrying a lot more weight. And also, I don't like the idea of ninety hours per week because that's working two jobs. No, that's not. It's totally nobody. It's not sustainable at and, all. And one of the one of the co founders of Sun Microsystems uh, years ago, I read an article in Fast Company magazine, and it stuck with me. Uh, he counts the number of nights per month he has dinner with his family, and that's his barometer of whether Beautiful. he's being effective with his family. So he has a minimum. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, that he operates under, which means he he can't just be away all the time. Uh, That's he, right. He has a commitment with his family. And, you know, a thing of the past, I grew up in a family where we ate dinner together around the table with no devices playing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. I'd love to see that back, but I'd, I hear that it's not <laughs> happening anymore.
0: <laughs> well, Nina, I love the fact that you have committed your journey to Bringing, because I listened to quite a few of your podcasts and this, you know, just your willingness to bring in speakers that really challenge how leaders lead and have us ponder if we're on a track that actually makes sense or bring in thoughts that maybe we didn't think about. Like, I love what was the last one? I was that linear to quantum thinking. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, being able to really take responsibility for, because many, we don't even think that we're thinking linear, but. You when you inspect it, it's like no, no. I'm actually on some flat line, you know. (laughs) And if if that was my blood pressure, I'd be in trouble, right? So you know, you look to see like how can I actually elevate and take my leadership to a quantum level. So I really appreciate all of the things that you know the 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 thought leaders that you bring to leadership.
2: Thank thank you, Linnell. Because Dan Silverberg, he he's a a standout um, uh, thinker yeah I we've created this six-part series and we're still only halfway through where I'm drip drip feeding uh, different (laughs) episodes and we're still about to record another one so um so I I just love speaking with Dan and a very very early one that was very popular was with Stu Brody on integrity and Mm. I want to ask you a a question because he he wrote the book the law of small things and he's a lawyer but he, he talks about even little white lies to supposedly protect the truth. Have you come across uh, people that, uh, well, leaders who forgive themselves being operating with a certain lack of integrity with one piece of behaviour that they don't really realise that that actually isn't on, that really is not good?
0: Yeah, well, one of the things, I can give you an example, but one of the things whenever I sniff that out, because sometimes I sniff it out, like they haven't messed up, but I'm like, wait a minute, didn't you say a couple of weeks ago that it was that? Well, that's what I told you. But what really happened was I'm like, okay, hold on. So what I tell people is that, you know, termites are very little things, but they can eat the house, the house, the foundation of the house, the structural walls, the whole thing can come down by a little thing. So if you allow those those termites to not only be there, those little white, what you consider white lies, be there, they will continue to, number one, multiply. And number one, erode your confidence because number one, you're not gonna remember every lie you told. So any, in this meeting, you said this, and then it comes up a month later. It's like, wait a minute, what did I say? And then you you actually erode your own self-confidence by by telling lies and not telling the whole truth. And that includes withholding things that you know you should be in communication about. So it's saying things that aren't true, but it's also withholding the truth. I keep, I encourage my clients on both of those issues that they will erode your leadership if either one of those.
2: You know what's interesting, Linnell? Uh, I I run this uh, uh, poll, if you like, where I list a dozen different toxic behaviors, and of course, bullying's there. Yeah, one of them is withholding information. This is uh, behaviours by managers, right? And I'll put it in the show notes. So if people want to add to it, it's an ongoing poll. Whenever I do a training course on leadership, I'll put up the slide to show them what's the one that everybody votes is the top dysfunctional behaviour. Withholding information is the one gripe that most people hate about their managers. Yes. Now, what is it because look it could be just they're the holders of the truth and if they give it away like by holding it they're they they're putting themselves on a pedestal but what happens if there's changes coming that they're not that they could legitimately share with their team but they're not what happens to the to the team when they smell that there's not everything is being expressed to them
0: yeah great question nina and they do smell it that's the thing. So like with all the layoffs in tech, many of my clients were impacted, whether they were the leaders or the VPs coming up with a list of who's going to get laid off, or they were some of the directors trying to sort it out. So there were a couple of things that I, um, you know, worked with my leaders on. Number one, HR was giving them talking points, like only say these things. Oh. And and the, their their teams were like, yeah, but what else? So what I told, so I said, so when the HR is giving you talking points and you have to comply with that, then you owe it to your team to say, listen, I'm restricted in what I can communicate with you by HR so that it doesn't, because the HR wants you to own it, like it's your story. But that's the part where it's dishonest. They know, the, the, they know. Now the times where they, they could say more and they don't, I encourage leaders like, you want your team to give you your best then you want to actually be a, a safe place for knowledge. Now, what you're what are you worried about? If you tell the truth, you're worried about what? Well, if I tell them this product we're working on is gonna get discontinued, they may leave and go do go to another team. I said, okay. So don't you want what's best for them? If what's best for them is to leave now, oh. then why are you holding on to them? You're not their mother. That's like a constant thing, whether it's a male or a female. You're not their mother. You should bless them and send them on their way and actually help them open the doors to whatever the next level of their leadership is. So what I say is, if you set aside your own insecurities about losing people or whatever that is, and that who you are is a leader, they happen to be with you today, but not forever, that one of your goals as a leader is to support them in their next growth opportunity. And if, because this product is being discontinued is going to have them look around and find something else. You want to be their champion. They will love you forever. And the other people left on the team, you actually, if they're willing to stay, but you now have another level of loyalty from the people that
2: have stayed when they watch how you behave with the person that wants to leave. That's really wonderful, Linnell, wonderful advice. And I'm just thinking if if the product that this team leader is working on is going to be discontinued, surely that person has to find another project. And if they're honest, they could say, "Look," and that's assuming they've got permission to say it's being discontinued. You're, this is in the case of where they haven't had the gag; they've they they could say, <laughs> they
0: could, they could they tell, them. Say yes, it,
2: right. Yes. But they're choosing not to. It's about it's about being honest and say, "Look." I will have to find another project too. So I encourage you to stay with me because I like I like working with you. I hope you like working with me. And perhaps yeah. together we can find the next project. And now we've got a, a whole future focus. That's right. That's and not right. Gonna, what we're going to lose. We're going to find something even better. And the company, right. the organisation will find something better.
0: Yeah, And it's I, much healthier for people because then, they're not dealing with job insecurity. They know that if I stay here, it's at risk. They may lay off the whole team. We may all get spread around the organization. Don't know. But at least now I'm owning my choice yeah. as opposed to being blind to the fact that the product is being discontinued and I get blindsided yeah. by that. Then I'm upset with you because you didn't tell me. You knew. or at right. Worst case, Nina, the leader finds a place for themselves and leaves their team. to
2: flounder out there
0: and as if there's nothing they could do when they knew. They knew ahead of time and the team knows that they knew.
2: Yeah. I was reading the story where you told your chief financial officer that you were bored in the role and something marvelous came out of it. Tell us us the story. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I love that story. So at the time I was, I was, it started with, I was a manager of special projects at New World Entertainment we got a new CFO, and he's looked at all the resumes. He said, Lanell, you're a CPA. There's no way you need to be running around doing special projects. So we're going to bring the tax department in-house, bring it out from the public accounting firm, and we want you to start the tax department. And i that was the last thing I wanted to do, honestly. And he, he said, well, we have, we're in 26 states, five countries. We need somebody in-house because outside we have too many things that are dropped. The balls are being dropped. So I said, okay. So I brought in, I hired people, I got everything current, had a tax calendar, everything was operating well oiled. And then I went back into his office. I said, listen, I did what you said. I said, I have the, I've hired people. We have all of our fines and penalties, everything is current. And now I'm bored. So I just want you to know this is a small town, but I'm going to start interviewing and I don't want you to hear about it from anybody else. And he, he said, okay, Linnell, can you hold on? Just hold on. Give me a few weeks, and I said, okay, okay, I'll hold on. So what happened was the treasurer was going on vacation, and so he said, okay, instead of hiring another somebody in finance, as you know, to temporarily take this over, would you be willing to be the treasurer? And he promised me, I'm not going to let you fail, Linnell. Don't. worry. I said, I've never managed a portfolio and currencies around the world, and you know, commercial paper, like all of that was new to was me. Was futures as well? Everything I was responsible. And I had brokers. I had like a, a whole team of brokers that I was communicating with every day and all of that. And I had never done that before. So I did it for two weeks. And I literally, Nina, I was having so much fun. I didn't know that I was supposed to be suffering or it was hard work. I was having fun. I was up in the middle of the night trading this currency for that currency and um, you know, on the Japan, Japanese stock market and this and that. I immersed myself in Bloomberg, had my little ticker tape going on my <laughs> on my computer. And so I did that for two weeks and I thought, OK, that was fun. Now I'm going to go find another job. That's really yeah. what was in my mind as that week two weeks started to end. And then he called when the treasurer got back on Monday. She got she got in at, by the end of the day, around four in the afternoon. He called me in and he said, congratulations, you're the new treasurer. So she got fired on her day back from vacation and I got hired um, in her position. And and I I asked because I was kind of dumbfounded. I was not expecting that at all. But what he said, one of the critical components that I brought to the the, um, job was I thought it was my job to be of service. So if there was a production happening in Italy, and I know you need lira, your budget's approved, you need that lira by September 1st. Then I start looking that, you know, and then my two weeks, I said, okay, if I, if I sell dollars and convert them to Canadian dollars and then sell them into yen, when I get that money to you in lira, you're going to have 25% more Ooh. than you would have had if I just sent you dollars to lira. I was just playing game. To me, it was like, hey, if I do this, then that. And <laughs> it, was just, it was like my own little private monopoly table <laughs> that I was playing with. And he said, you know, the previous um, treasurer was used it like a power thing. Like you have the budget. So people were waiting for their money. They have, you know, their production supposed to start tomorrow. The money hasn't made it yet. And they're, she's making them wait. People are sitting around. So she had all of these productions and producers complaining. And she had all of this drama going on. After I was the treasurer for two weeks, I was nothing but singing my praises, which I didn't know. All of that was happening out
2: of visibility wow. to me. But, um, yeah, but I, I love that job. <laughs> oh, isn't that a, a wonderful story? And also it's how your brain works and you turned it into a game and you didn't find it boring at all, but also you weren't using it for some uh, hidden agenda that has to do That's with right. ego and power. Yeah. And this is where we want to raise emotionally intelligent teams that have operational excellence, where people are coming from the heart. Absolutely. How, how do how do we ensure the people are coming from the heart?
0: <laughs> well, I think part of it, Nina, is they have to trust their heart because your heart will give you different instructions. Uh huh. Then, you, if your head is only worried about my ROI, my KPI, my OKR, it's like, oh, my mind is only worried about that, worried about my visibility, worried about my political positioning. All your mind is worried about all of these things and where the danger points are, whether it's fight or flight. But your heart is not worried about any of those things.
2: Yeah. Yes,
0: so yeah. they don't, a lot of times people don't haven't learned how to trust their heart in the midst of all of these other conflicting demands or what may feel like conflicting
2: demands. Yeah. How can a leader work with you? Tell us, tell us how they can find you.
0: Well, the best way to find me, Nina, is to go onto my website and there's a little um, contact questionnaire there that's not very long. Um, at, and it's lynellsplace.com, L-Y-N-E-L-L-S. P-L-A-C-E.com um, is my website. And or you can email me Linnell at dot Place.com. Either one of those will will get me.
2: Right. And uh and how do you work with companies? Do you do strategy still, or is it mostly as a coach or is it a bit of both? Well, with
0: the com- with companies, some companies pay me to coach their executives. They the company pays me directly. Other, most of my clients pay me directly and uh, the companies pay me only when I do training with their teams because a lot of I may coach the the VP separately, but if he asks me to train his team, then I have a contract with the company itself. Yeah. So I still do quite a bit of both.
2: And have you worked with any global clients outside of North America?
0: Meta or Facebook, of course, is a global a global client. I also work with Hilton and um, Netflix, Microsoft, quite a few tech companies that are all global in and fact right i actually have clients literally i have a client in australia actually australia dubai lots of clients in london um, a senegal south africa and across
2: well, the that's our listenership we've uh, we've got a global uh audience so so you may get a few new clients <laughs> that. So, yeah. all right well thank you so much lanella <clears throat> we'll uh we'll I'll be seeing you in the Thought Council for the C-Suite Network. Isn't that right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yes. Lovely yes. to meet you uh, uh,
0: over, the, uh, over the Absolute year. pleasure, Nina. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you.
2: This episode, I've been speaking with Linnell Green on the Manage Self, Lead Others podcast. I'm your host, Nina Sunday. You'll find a link to Linnell Green's upcoming book, Visionary Discipline, in the show notes, plus links to contact. You know, Without our sponsors like Apex Trader Funding for Futures Trading and Dan Silverberg's Leader Council, it wouldn't be possible to do all that we do. I feel confident you'll enjoy going back to listen to Episode 106 with Daryl Martin on how to become a funded trader and my multiple conversations with Dan Silverberg on his Leader Operating System series, Episodes 98, 100, 102, and the most recent, 105, which is on the shift from linear to quantum thinking. Remember to use the code Nina Sunday to unlock a listener discount. My name's Nina Sunday. Connect with me on LinkedIn with a comment about how you enjoy the show. You can go to Apple or Spotify podcasts to rate it five star, perhaps leave a short review. Thank you for listening until next time. Bye for now.
1: Nina Sunday is on a mission to help leaders transform culture to book Nina Sunday CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Twice certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone.
2: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.